Amen. Amen. Listen, I just want to thank you all so much for coming here tonight just to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And there's no better way to do that, I don't think, than, uh, than with our kids. And we're, we're blessed here at this church, man. We just keep having kids. And every day somebody tells me once again that they're pregnant. And, uh, and I just get that news all the time. And I'm, I'm fine with that. We just need to figure out some babysitters. And, uh, but we're doing well. And we're blessed. And we're grateful that you came to, to celebrate the birth of Jesus with us here tonight. I'm going to speak to you just for a couple of minutes. Uh, so if you want to, you can grab a seat just for a minute. But you know, over the, over the past few weeks, we've been obviously just thinking about, um, about Jesus, about his birth. And we've been preaching into that. And, and I think the thing, one of the things that I like most about the birth of Christ it's just how he breaks into our world. And I don't know how, you know, what your background is, or if you're, maybe you come tonight, you, you're not a Jesus follower, maybe you are. But I know for me, there was a moment in my life where God just broke into the mundane. You know what I'm saying? He broke into my routine. He broke into what I was. He broke into my mess. And when Jesus shows up on the scene, we, we, we've talked about it in the book of Matthew. When you look at his lineage, Matthew lists people in his lineage that you would never think would make it in. And how would Jesus come from such a wicked line, so to speak? Matthew lists actually two women who were not even Jewish women and they were prostitutes. One of them was an actual prostitute. One of them posed as a prostitute. And Judah had a son through this woman who was her daughter-in-law. Like you got crazy stuff going on. And what it's really showing and pointing us to is that we're all a mess at the end of the day. Even Jesus himself came from a line of one big long mess we look at our families we see that if you look at it long enough you're gonna find a little bit of a mess amen and I thank God that when he looks at our families and he looks at our brokenness and he looks at our mess he doesn't step back away from it but he moves into it and Jesus's birth when he comes God himself who looks at sinful humanity doesn't say I'm ready to judge humanity I'm ready to condemn humanity he says no I want to enter into their pain and their suffering I will take on flesh the same way that humanity lives and breathes so that I can redeem these people that I love and that's why he's come and you know he breaks in on the on the night that he was born he broke into probably one of the most mundane boring routine days ever and he was born in a place called Bethlehem. And if you, if you read history, you study history, Bethlehem was really a lot like Manchester. You know what I'm talking about? It was just kind of on the outskirts. Like nobody really necessarily wants to go there if, you don't, if you're not from there. To the people who live there, it's home. But the people outside is like, you know, we don't really need to go to Manchester. And God could have shown up anywhere. He could have shown up at the palace. I mean, if I was God, I would have went to the emperor and said, look, Here's the baby, I'm God, you're done. I'm the king, it's over, step down. But instead he, chose it, he chooses to go among the most mundane, the most routine. And most of us, when we look at our lives, there's nothing too spectacular, right? It's just we, we, we take care of our children. We, we work a, a job just like any other normal person. And, and sometimes it's like, man, our lives are boring. But see, that's just the way human life is. And God brings mystery and beauty out of what we consider the mundane and the boring and the routine. And so when he shows up, he shows up, as we read just a moment ago, in a field where some shepherds are. And it says in Luke 2.8, it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, 
keeping watch over their flock by night. Now you've got to understand that these shepherds, they got no education, they got no influence, they, they, they've got no, no money, no Instagram followers. You know what I'm saying? They're, they, they got no fashion. Like there's nothing special about these shepherds. And you'd think God would show up and he would show up at King Herod's palace or he would show up in, in the Roman Empire. He would show up somewhere that's, that's big and, and just amazing. But instead he chooses to go out in a field where some shepherds are that are ostracized. Really it was kind of a job that most people didn't want to have at that time. And so when you think about God showing up and breaking into the world, the one thing you don't think about, you don't think about God showing up where a janitor is cleaning some toilets. But when God shows up, that's exactly where he shows up. That's exactly where he chooses to go. With the lowly, with those that are at the bottom of the economic chain, with those that have no influence, with those that have no power. He moves toward the broken. He moves toward the humble. He moves toward the lowly. And these shepherds are just blue-collar guys not expecting anything. They're just taking care of their sheep out in the field one night. And all of a sudden, Luke 2, 9, it says, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And this is what I love about it, because like I said, these guys weren't looking for anything. I remember, you know, there, there was a moment in my life where I wasn't necessarily looking for anything, but God broke in. And God broke in in that moment. And imagine this, because you're thinking about something. This is not a myth that we're talking about. We believe this to be true. I believe in angels. And I believe that in this moment, Gabriel himself, the angel that had spoken to Mary, the angel that had spoken to Daniel 600 years earlier, an angel essentially rends the heavens, manifests himself within the realm of the five senses, and their eyes are opened and they see this figure hovering above them getting ready to speak something to them. And it says the glory of the Lord shone round, around about them. And this is important because the glory of the Lord was no small thing. The glory of the Lord was the manifest presence of God. If you read throughout Scripture, the glory of the Lord showed up when Moses was on Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments. And when he descended, he had to put a veil over his face because they couldn't look on this glory. And when the glory of the Lord was in the tabernacle, it was in the most holy place. And nobody could go in there except one guy once a year. And the glory of the Lord stayed in there in a place where nobody could go. And there was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. That glory of the Lord led them throughout the wilderness. You remember when Solomon built the temple, when they established the temple, it says that the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So well, they, they couldn't even minister because the presence of God was so strong in that place. And then the glory of the Lord shows up when Jesus is transfigured and the disciples behold the glory of the Lord emanating from Jesus himself. And you see the glory of the Lord showing up on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit descends and tongues of fire are setting on their heads and they go out in the power of the Spirit in the glory of the Lord. They proclaim the gospel and 3,000 are saved. But all of a sudden, in this moment, the glory was something that was over in the temple among the religious elite. But now the glory of God has shown up in a shepherd's field among the most lowly where there's some sheep dung. These dudes ain't had a shower in a while. And the glory of the Lord is there. And what God is trying to say is, you know what? The glory of God has moved out of the temple and now it wants to dwell in human hearts. He wants to dwell in the most broken among us, the most lowly among us. And he's declaring you need to get a different mindset. It's not, it's not the religious elite. It's not the powerful. It's not the rich. It's those who are willing to humble themselves and receive this free gift that is coming. And it says they were greatly afraid.
And then the angel said to them in verse 10, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. And I know in a time like this, like in our lives right now, we need that word, do not be afraid. Because it just, it seems like the world is going crazy. And everybody I talk to, there's different fears. There's fears of sickness. I mean, even, even coming and gathering. I'm sure there are people tonight that were, were afraid of whether or not they should even come to something like this. I mean, there's, there's literal anxieties that flood our hearts and flood our minds. And this angel declares to them, listen, you don't have to be afraid. Because I'm bringing you good news that causes great joy. One of the things we've been talking about a lot is, is this great Do we have, as a people, do you ever experience great joy? Do you ever experience in your heart something that surpasses and goes beyond just what's regularly in your life, just the mundane, everyday, today thing? And he's saying, no, I'm bringing you good news that if you can truly receive it and believe it, it will change your heart, your outlook, your perspective. You'll see the world in a new light and you'll have such a hope that this will bring you great joy because it's good news. It's the gospel. This God loves you so much that He sent His only Son to come and take on human flesh and go to the cross for your sins that if you will repent and believe in Him, you will not perish, but you will have eternal life and you will not die, but you will be raised up again on the third day and you will have that hope and you will have that promise. That there is a coming kingdom. Yeah, we've got, we've got people in power right now and our world looks like it's a mess. But he says, you don't have to be afraid because I'm bringing you good news. It's greater than anything this world has to offer. And it brings peace and it brings great joy. And man, that's what I want us to have on Christmas. I want us to be able when we're unwrapping gifts and hanging out with our kids and stuffing ourselves with all kinds of food and, you know, Buckeyes, whatever you eat, I don't know. But we want that great joy, right? And he says in verse 11, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And he says, In the city of David, today is born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The city of David was actually, believe it or not, Bethlehem. If you read in 1 Samuel, David was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Bethlehem. And guess what he was? He was a shepherd in Bethlehem. And as a young boy, Samuel the prophet comes out to call David out from among his family to become the king of Israel. And he's basically saying, David, I'm calling you out from among the sheepfold because you're now shepherding the sheep, but I'm calling you to shepherd my people Israel. And now these angels are calling these shepherds saying, I want you to come out from among your sheep to come and meet the true good shepherd who will shepherd all of the world. And he's saying, in the city of David is born to you this day, Christ the Lord, a Savior. And they would have known a lot about this prophecy because even though they were shepherds and they were outside and they were alone most of the time, they were Jewish boys. So they knew the prophecies. They knew the promises. They knew that Micah had prophesied and said that, but you Bethlehem Ephrathah, in Micah 5 too, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Micah had prophesied years before hundreds of years before that he would be born in Bethlehem so they knew that and I think maybe at this point they're probably realizing hey boys maybe we're not hallucinating maybe this is real maybe this is the fulfillment of that prophecy that everybody we know has been waiting on and it says that what he is 
is he's a savior. He's not just a savior, but he's the savior of the world. And it says that he is Christ. Christ means the anointed one. And like, like my young man Noah said on the video, he came to save us from the devil. Amen. He came in the power of the Holy Spirit to set us free from the power of sin and death, to give us a new heart, to give us new lives. Because when you come into Christianity, let me tell you something, this is not about how good of a person you can be. This is about a Savior who, who finds you in your greatest weaknesses and He transforms who you are. He gives you a new spirit. He empowers you. He's the anointed one. And He's also the Lord. And he uses that language because he wants you to know that this baby is not just any baby and he's not just another prophet and he's not just another priest. This baby that is born is Yahweh in the flesh. He is the same God that met Moses at the burning bush. He's the same God that spoke to Elijah in the cave. He's the same God that filled the temple when Solomon uh, brought it about. This is Christ the Lord. And it says in verse 13 that suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. Now, now, now the sky's open, you see one angel, and then all of a sudden now you see multiple angels in the sky singing this song. And they're praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. And what's so interesting about this is that any Jewish person that would have heard this in this day, they would have thought this was a little bit strange because this is the same type of song that the cherubim sang in the temple. This was the same type of song that they sung around the glory of the Lord. And all of a sudden, this song is out, like I said, in the most mundane place. And I'm telling you, I need you to understand that God wants to invade your home. He wants to invade your workplace. He wants to get in the places where you would never expect him to show up and the glory of the Lord fill that place. And you start to see the mystery of God, the goodness of God, the love of God, the joy of God, the peace of God. Somebody was talking this week about their job, how everybody at their job just all the time like, gosh, I can't wait to get out of here. And I'm thinking, you know what? Those are the places really that God wants to just invade with his glory. Yes, that's right. That we could open up and we could learn how to have great joy in the most mundane places in our life because we know Jesus and we have Jesus. And when they come singing this song, they say, on earth, peace. And just like I said, it's the same thing about not being afraid. If there's one thing you can agree on that we all need right now, it is peace. Amen. And this peace is, 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 is strange because this peace kind of, it challenges our thoughts because most of us believe that money will bring us peace. Some of us believe that power or fame or a better job or, or sex or something else in this world will bring you peace. And Jesus is saying, none of these things are actually going to bring you peace. This is a peace that comes deep within when you know me and where my spirit abides. And he says, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And it says in verse 15, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven. And the shepherds said to one another, all right, boys, I think we saw something. Let's now go into Bethlehem to see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, this is one of the most interesting things that I want to share with you. Because they said, the angels said to the shepherds before, and this will be a sign to you. That's very specific. Why would it be a sign to them that when they went, they would find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger? Because these men, above all, they took care of the sheep. But see, sheep were very important to the Israelites because without sheep, there was no sacrifice. 
And without a sacrifice, there was no forgiveness of sins. So what these shepherds would have to do is they would take the firstborn of every flock and they would take that firstborn and if it was without spot and without blemish, they would take it to a very specific place and they would wrap that lamb in swaddling clothes and they would lay it in a manger so that it wouldn't get caught up in a bush or get nicked or get its fur cut so that it would be taken care of and it would be a lamb without spot, without blemish to be offered as a sacrifice. And see, Micah prophesied that it would happen in Bethlehem, but he gets more specific in Micah 4.8 because he says, And you, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, to you it shall come, even the former dominion shall come, the kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem. And so the tower of the flock was a place in Bethlehem where these shepherds would take the firstborn of the flock, they would wrap them in swaddling clothes, and they would lie them in a manger, lay them in a manger. And so when these men heard that it would be a sign, they knew exactly where to go. They were going down to the tower of the flock because there was going to be a boy there and he was going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes because he was going to be an end to the sacrificial system. He was going to be the last lamb that was ever offered as a sacrifice. And he wouldn't just put away sins for one year. He wouldn't just put away sins for a moment. He would put sins away forever. He would deal with your sins. He would deal with your guilt. He would deal with your shame. And He would offer you forgiveness and eternal life. He is that Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He was that Lamb which was born for us. And I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know where you're at in your journey. Like most people in Manchester, one of the things about us, we're kind of like Bethlehem, people in Bethlehem. Like we all know the Lord. Amen. Everybody just say, oh yeah, I know the Lord. But I, I don't ever want to come strong-handed at anybody, but... I want you to know that you know the Lord. I want you to have that assurance that you're following Jesus, that you have that peace that only He can give, that you realize that He died on the cross for your sins to offer you eternal life, to give you a peace and a hope of eternal life that's secure, that's like an anchor for your soul, where you know no matter what comes, I've got Jesus. I've got an anchor. I'm going to make it in the end. And I've got an eternal home with Him. He's the one that's come and died for us. And so here's what we're going to do. Because He is that Lamb, He is that sacrificial Lamb, we're going to receive communion. They're going to begin passing out communion cups. And as they pass it out, just, just take one. And if y'all will, bring me one up here at some point. But As you receive this, I want you to take a moment and I want you to think about Jesus coming in the flesh. I want you to think about Him being raised and living a sinless life. But at the same time, He lived that sinless life and He chooses to go to the cross in your place to bear the weight of your punishment and your judgment for your sin. And if you're a Christian here this morning or this evening and you know Jesus, then you can receive the full benefits of this. If you don't know Him, now is the time to say, Lord, I want to follow You. I believe in you. I confess my sins to you. And I want to come to you and trust in you. So I want you to just take a moment as they pass these cups out just to meditate on the Lord. Take a minute to pray. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you and deal with you if you would.
So if you would, I want you to first take the bread off the top there. And when we come, there's a few things that we always want to do. We want to pray. And, and again, we're receiving this sacrament in remembrance of the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. And so when we come, we come once again as believers or non-believers for the first time, bringing our hearts to Jesus, confessing our sins and our shortcomings and saying, Lord, forgive us for our sins. We believe that your blood washes us clean. But not only do we receive forgiveness from the Lord and we confess our sins, but we forgive those who have sinned against us. And this is essential in the Christian faith. If we've been forgiven such a great price of our very own sin, then it moves us in our own hearts to forgive anybody who has hurt us or who has offended us. And that's important during the Christmas season because honestly, in a lot of families, there's a lot of division. There's a lot of different little difficulties that we carry with us because of the wounds and offenses that we've dealt with. But now's the time where you can release that. You can let people go. You can receive forgiveness and you can forgive those who've hurt you. And I believe that there's something that happens because the scripture says that we are to discern the Lord's body when we take this. It's not just a ritual, an empty ritual, but it's a moment where Christ himself is present and there's healing in his body. Spirit, soul, and body. There's healing available. There's strength available that comes within us by his stripes. He bore those stripes in his own body for our healing. And so we take that moment. I want you to take this. And Father, we just pray right now in Jesus' name. Lord God, and we confess our sins to you. We ask you, Lord, to forgive us of all of our sins. And Lord, we forgive those who have sinned against us. And God, we release them to you right now. But we're thankful for this body that was broken for us, for our deliverance, for our freedom, for our salvation, and for our healing. And we receive it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and receive it. said this cup was the cup of the new and everlasting covenant his blood which was shed for all of us and so Lord we thank you for your blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins and Lord I pray that you would just by your spirit deal with the guilt that people are carrying tonight people that have been carrying guilt and shame for so many years. And honestly, I believe there's people in this room that you, you're afraid to come to Jesus because of things you've done in your past. And Jesus is saying, it's time to let that thing go. Yes. It's time to lay all that down and believe in me and trust in me and let me deal with your guilt. Let me deal with your shame. Let me deal with your past. But Lord Jesus, we receive your blood and we receive forgiveness of sins and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. you all.